0: Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most pressing topics in the ever anxious world of Indiana basketball. This is our 147th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 546th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, November 14th, 2019. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment.
1: And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Martin takes the shot.
0: This week's Banner Moment occurred at 7.27 p.m. Central Time on Tuesday. That's when loyal chat mobber and Tonsoni tailgater Richie Carter tweeted the following. Hey, Assembly Call, Archie is having a come-to-Jesus meeting in the huddle with the team. Arms are flying and the tie has been ripped off and thrown into the crowd. Cabby from Green and I are enjoying this in person. It didn't take many sideline shots on Tuesday night to know that Archie wasn't happy with what he was seeing from the Hoosiers. In fact, you probably didn't need any sideline shots. All of us who watched the bench or watched the defense and careless turnovers in the first half could see that the Hoosiers had brought their C-minus game to the arena. Against better competition, Indiana might have dug itself a massive early hole. You know, like the ones we got accustomed to seeing last year. And that's why seeing Archie blow a gasket and more importantly, seeing his team respond to it was so encouraging. Archie himself has admitted that he allowed too much substandard play to go on last season. He's mentioned that the awful home performance against Nebraska was a point at which he should have said enough was enough, but he didn't, and the poor starts and inconsistent play snowballed until he got fed up after the Minnesota game. The Hoosiers responded to play much better basketball thereafter, leaving everyone, including Archie, to wonder what might have been. And so that's why I was happy to see Archie in game three, not letting bad habits and lackadaisical play go unchallenged and uncorrected. This IU team is talented enough to beat North Alabama with a C-minus performance, but that kind of play won't cut it come late November and onward. Archie knows this, and it seems he learned an important lesson from last season that is already bearing fruit this year. That's an encouraging sign for this young IU team, and it's an encouraging sign for this young IU coach. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Ryan is off tonight. As you may have heard, he had to be up early this morning for a 5 a.m. radio show, so obviously fulfilling his weekly commitment here to be with us on Thursday night was just too much. I just want to go lay in bed. And as you may also have heard, the fall temps in San Diego have dropped all the way down to the mid-60s. I thought I was going to die. So please, keep Ryan in your thoughts and prayers in hopes that he gets a warm, comfortable night of rest. Andy is also off tonight spending some time with his daughters since he will be hosting the post-game show on Saturday. This overly super-involved dad. Brian's being stupid again. But enough about those two who are not here with us. To paraphrase a beloved coach, my team is on the mics. And speaking of beloved coaches, to my left.
2: He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime
0: coach assuming that the frigid pipes of your internet are uh, cooperating with us <laughs> what's on your mind
1: <laughs> yeah i apologize for the the wi-fi issues and the choppy audio um we'll check that out um <laughs> but you know indiana basketball is 3-0 it's a new team Uh, I'm going to keep saying patience. There's some things that we're going to talk about that are not uh, looking so well. The defense, the ball screen defense, uh, some of those things. But Archie is experimenting. He has said so that the first halves were going to be scripted, different lineups. I saw some trapping that I haven't seen before on a half court that didn't really go well. You do that when you can so that you can – Get stuff on film, analyze whether you want to continue doing stuff. And and so we have to be a little bit patient with that, uh, despite some of the concerns. Still 3-0 and and more basketball to come.
0: And to my right, straight out of the chat mob, which, by the way, he has been privately lobbying to have rebranded as the Chad Mob, He's a man with an intimidating last name who isn't afraid to speak truth to Ryan. You know what? I'm working like three jobs here, Chad. And he has a life goal that I think we can all get behind.
2: I will deliver a pizza to that door right behind him.
0: He is the host of the new IU basketball show, Hoosier Morning After. It's General Chadwick Schwartzkopf. Chad, what are your opening thoughts on the last week in IU basketball?
2: Well, if you kind of listen to it, say chat mob, Chad mob, chat mob, Chad mob. It kind of sounds alike. "Chad" it it and "Chad" always been kind of something that sounds similar uh, growing up. I kind of, I've, I've had the same thoughts that kind of coach opened up on. I mean, we have to look at this November as kind of a workshop month for this team. This is the time to try things. We had a lot of questions about this team going into the summer, how many different lineups, how deep it was. And these games allowed us to experiment with that and kind of figure out what we could do with those, those games. I mean, just look at it. The last game we had, the, the, Player with the least amount of minutes was 13 minutes. So that shows that he's playing a lot of different guys. He's trying to figure things out. Uh, we don't need, we don't have things figured out. We don't need to beat guys like Ohio Ohio State is Villanova by 30 points. Um, those guys have the answers already. We're still trying to figure that out, and it'll come. And we've got some answers. We've got some things that are making us excited, but um, other things we'll just kind of figure out. And like you said, we figured it out, and we've gotten three wins. So. That's pretty good. All right. Here is what we are going to
0: talk about this week. We'll run through some Hoosier headlines like we always do. And then we're going to take some time and address the concerns about the defense And provide a brief refresher also about some of the key things this team is missing without Devontae Green. Because two of them are defensive. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why we can expect that the defense will improve as we move forward here. And finally, after that, we'll answer some questions. Tons of good ones submitted. No way we'll get to all of them in segment three. So we'll definitely have a little uh, AC after dark answering some questions afterwards. All right. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to all that, though, let's talk about tickets. Because you have a lot of options when it comes to where you get your sports tickets, and this isn't really an industry that is known for its growth, innovation, and customer friendliness. But with millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves that there's a better way. They built the fastest way to find tickets so that you can stop searching for the perfect seat and instead start enjoying it. Just look at the App Store. SeatGeek has over 50,000 five star reviews, and the reason is because they deliver a better process for buying tickets. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, and then they rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10 with a color coded system to show the value. Green dots mean good deals, red dots are overpriced. Then they display the tickets on an interactive seat map so you can see right where they are and every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence I have the SeatGeek app on my phone because it's by far the fastest and easiest way to find tickets we bought our Zach Brown concert tickets there earlier this summer we really want to go see Hamilton because it's coming to Fort Worth and I've already looked on there I'm scoping tickets out on there they have Hamilton tickets on SeatGeek so sports concerts live event whatever you want SeatGeek has it and I use it, which is why I can recommend it to you. Can a brother, get some coupons. Of course. Best of all, SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. So download the SeatGeek app today and use the promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase. All right, guys. Let's roll through a few headlines, kind of you know, non, uh, non-game headlines. And the biggest one to me, Coach, is... We got three signatures, three guys signing on the dotted line for the class of 2020. Obviously, we're awaiting the decision of Dawson Garcia, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But Trey Galloway, Anthony Leal, Jordan Geronimo, they are signed and sealed, ready to go for next year. Um, and, you know, look, we're, we're all kind of waiting to see if anybody's going to be added to that class. But all three of those guys are guys that I think we can be excited about. They're going to be building block type players for this program. Um, and so it's always good to get those signatures on the uh, on the dotted line once November comes around.
1: Yeah, and, you know, those guys are, are again, I, what I believe to be true Archie Miller guys, some length, some athletic ability, some shooting. Uh, they'll have to come in and learn uh, what college basketball is about next season over, over the summer and then at the beginning of the next season. But, again, it gives what we are seeing now is some depth. Uh, it will continue to add to that depth. And it's always exciting when people say yes and, and sign, and you know they're definitely coming. So, yeah, that that's a big headline.
2: Now, Chad, along, along with those guys now, just to, to hop in, the pride that they have in, in the name across their jersey is what's awesome to see. I mean, Anthony uh, argues or even says that many times when, it, when he comes along. Jordan Geronimo signed almost immediately or committed immediately after visiting because he was so amazed by what he saw. So that's the excitement, too. That culture is continuing to build on what we already see changing this year. So, yeah, just more up and up for us.
1: How about Anthony Leo? I I think I saw on social media direct admit into the Kelly School of Business. Uh, You know, we we focus on ball screen defense and offense and all that all the time. But the complete person, I think that we're we're getting in a lot of these young men uh, and and that academically right there is pretty impressive uh, from our recruits as well.
0: Agreed. So, you know, now Indiana waits to see what Dawson Garcia is going to do. He told Tipton edits that he is going to announce on November 20th. Uh, you know, he announced a final four Indiana Marquette Memphis and Minnesota. I haven't talked to anybody that thinks that Memphis and Minnesota really has a legit shot. It seems like it's coming down between, you know, Marquette and Indiana, but you know, when you're hearing that second and third and fourth hand, you never quite know, but that's the expectation. So we'll wait to see. You know, he took the Marquette visit last week, didn't commit right away. So it certainly seems like he and the family are going to, you know, kind of weigh the options. And, you know, we're less than a week away from that. So we'll kind of wait to see. I guess the one question, Chad, you know, the, the hypothetical, if, and, and someone actually asked this question, uh, which was, uh, you know, if Dawson Garcia makes the wrong decision, because we all know what the right decision would be, you know, what would Indiana, what is Indiana going to do after that? Um, and, you know, we don't know for sure. There's not really anybody else like a, an immediate target. Um, you know, is there anything that you, you know, in, in the event that that happens, is there anything that you would like to see Archie do?
2: I I would like to not see him go after another one. I mean, adding, adding that fourth person, um, puts us in kind of a sketchy position with, um, what scholarships we'll have and everything. So I, I think we've already have a pretty good front court that'll be returning, We'll, we'll, we will only be losing, unless someone gets hot and decides to go to the NBA early, um, we'll only be losing Deron Davis down below. Um, that'll just be another year for guys like Race and, and guys like that to to get even better. Um, it'll be senior year for Justin Smith. Um, I don't see any need to go after anyone just to fill up a body. Um, I think we'll be fine. Yeah.
0: Well, and again, hopefully we don't have to deal with that because Dawson makes the right decision. So. Choose wisely, young Garcia. Uh, last topic here for the headlines—not necessarily a Hoosier headline, but a Big Ten headline. And as we've talked about, Coach, you know, if you're an Indiana fan, you really need to pay attention to what's happening in the Big Ten and the non-conference because it makes a big deal. You know, how do these Big Ten teams do? What are their rankings and their power rankings? Because come Big Ten play. That kind of dictates whether conference wins or quality wins, and so this is something that we really want to pay attention to. Ohio State obviously went out and got a huge win over Villanova in the Gavit games. Northwestern recovered from their early season hiccup to beat Providence. That was nice to see. Purdue got a big lead on Marquette and then got demolished in the second half to lose that one, so the Big Ten went 2-1 and one in the opening slate of Gavit games. Obviously, we don't know what the results of Thursday will be, but you know, what stood out to you and what are some of the things that you're watching with the conference uh, during non-conference play from a bracketology perspective?
1: Yeah. And, and from, I, I think uh, Iowa and DePaul played on Monday too. Is oh, that's that right. Was that, DePaul was that a beat... Gavit game?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. And DePaul, I
1: don't know if that was a Gavit game or just a regular scheduled, but that was shocking to me. Um, DePaul has been down They're They're obviously trying to build back up, but they really won by about 20 points against Iowa, and what concerns me about the big 10 is the bottom half. If you got more than just the two or three teams we think are going to struggle that whole conference, if it's, you know, five or six teams, Minnesota's lost two games. Um, Purdue has lost a couple games. They're tough non-conference games. And, and you really can't judge that. Purdue was six and five at one point last year and ended up, uh, you know, tying for the conference championship. So, you know, so things like that happen, and we're all so excited about college basketball that you're after a week, you're ready to put a bracketology uh, picture together. But you, you want you want the conference to do well because you do not want what happened to the Pac-12 last year where they were awful in the, the non-conference, and then they played each other, and they could never get above, you know, two or three teams. So, um, yeah, you want the Big Ten. Michigan State's playing, uh, you know, right now. Penn State got a win tonight. So, yes, that you want that to happen, and then Indiana can go beat them in in the Big Ten. I do think Indiana's going to have to pick up quality wins in the conference in order to make the tournament, so that is a concern.
0: Uh, the Iowa-DePaul game was Gavit games, as was michigan Creighton, and Michigan beat Creighton. So, solid yes. start for the Wolverines under their, uh, their new coach. What are you watching kind of around the conference chat? Has anything kind of jumped out and, and surprised you? That was actually a question that we got from J.D., which was, after a few nights of games, what Big Ten team are you at least open to reconsidering your preseason opinion on? Has anyone jumped out to you?
2: Um, I mean, Ohio State is, is going to be a little bit higher maybe than I thought. Um, they looked pretty good in, in, in their games, um, playing some pretty fast ball. I mean, obviously, they played a very good team. So to, to get a quality win like that early in the season when you're supposedly supposed to be trying to figure things out is always a, a nice thing to add on your resume. Villanova um, gets demolished by the Big Ten. They're lucky they're not in the Big Ten. I don't know if they'd win a game. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, there were a few shocking losses on, on the lower end of the Big Ten that you don't want to see. Uh, like Coach said, uh, our resume only gets better with a stronger conference. So, um, hopefully hopefully things pick up, and it's just maybe start of the season jitters for some of those lower teams, and uh, things will get kind of evened out when we get into the real real deep uh, dive of the uh, conference play. Yep.
0: All right, guys, we're coming up. Let's talk about defense, because according to Indiana's own coach, the defense has not been up to standard to start this season. It's been subpar. What specific areas are causing Indiana the most trouble, and are there reasons to expect the D to improve in time for December? We're going to talk about it. Stick with us on the assembly Call.
1: This is Bradell Jones. What's
2: better than an epic buzzer beater, a full-court dribble, and a perfectly placed pass to set it all up? And, of course, celebrating the Hoosier Nation afterwards. So join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers.
0: Thank you, Bradell. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between segment banner, then check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. I am Jared Morris here with Chad Schwartzkopf and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And guys, let's talk about the defense because, you know, one of the biggest storylines, the most prominent storylines after the first three games has been... Subpar defense, you know, to the point where the coach, you know, in the last two press conferences has really called out his team for not playing good defense. And he's basically said, hey, if the defense doesn't get better, they are going to have a rude awakening, you know, once they play, you know, some tougher competition. And I think, you know, the coach is echoing what a lot of us have seen. Uh, and I think when you juxtapose some of the defensive struggles early in, in these three games with a lot of the off season talk about, Hey, could this be a top 20 defense? Is this team going to, you know, experience the year three bump in the pack line and all the things that we kind of thought we would see. It's a little bit concerning now. We don't want to overreact to it, but let's kind of take this opportunity to break down what the issues are. And whether or not there are legitimate reasons to think that they can get corrected sooner rather than later. Um, so coach, you know, as we talked about in a few post game shows, a couple of them really stand out. And I know you did some film study uh, for, you know, for your coach's corner segment inside of our private community. Um, why don't you, you know, kind of lead this off and talk about the biggest issues that you're seeing with the defense.
1: Well, n- number one, the, the defense on the ball in a ver- variety of situations has been below average. A- and, that causes all kinds of problems for a defense, and if you get beat quickly off the dribble where you don't force someone to go you know a yard either way uh, and they get these direct drives, then that puts the team in rotation and that means that a help defender has to come stop the ball and then another help defender has to help the helper and then that anything can happen and Indiana has found themselves in that position way too much. And the pack defense, pack line defense is supposed to create a bubble uh, around the lane and make it very difficult for the ball to penetrate the lane. And in the last two games especially, game one I thought they were a lot better at it, but the last two games the ball has been directly penetrating. Uh, you put some stats in the community about just directly on-ball defense and, and some jump shooting. I looked at ball screen defense in the, in the coach's corner – uh, where the combination of lack of ball pressure and post players not really hedging and, and carrying out the team strategy correctly, putting the other guys in tough situations for long closeouts and then being driven. And that it, that's a mental recognition problem. And, and, and that's just a physical get to where you're supposed to be and, and do things right. It could be a simple closeout where you're supposed to close out and let the guy drive or force middle, but you're forcing baseline. The guy goes baseline. The help's not where it's supposed to be. And there just seemed, in, in looking back for the coach's corner, there was a lot of the ball screen. And we focused on that. Uh, Jeff Marlowe, who's in a chat room, post-game chat room, wanted to do that. It just seems like it might be one guy uh, that, that is off. And then that just creates a mess for the whole team. And, and good team defense is five guys versus the ball moving in connection with each other. And right now, uh, Indiana is just not doing that to the level that they need to compete, uh, for the December and the big 10, uh, conference schedule.
0: And Chad, you know, one point that I've heard you make, and that I I think is going that that you know, that a lot of people have made is, You know, it's important to keep all of this in context because the defense, it has struggled. And again, I mean, Archie has been the one kind of leading this parade about the defense not being up to par. But, you know, there are some reasons to kind of explain it. And you don't want to make excuses. You never want to excuse poor effort. You never want to excuse lackadaisical play, you know, lack of focus. And there has been some of that. But we're also playing lineup combinations that we're probably not going to see a lot this season. You know, Rob Finnessy hasn't been at full strength, you know, when he's been out there. Um, you know, obviously Devontae Green hasn't played at all, which we're going to get to. So, you know, there are some of these things that we've seen that I think do explain some of the struggles that as they normalize over the next few weeks, that should help the defense. And if some of the other stuff comes around with, you know, <laughs> some of the focus and the reasons why Archie was mad during the game those things kind of coming back together, I think we'll start to see this defense play more cohesive and play better.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a matter of the rhythm, getting into the rhythm of it as well. I mean, the a lot of the games and a lot of the struggles we've had defensively, we've seen it mostly in the first half. Um, the team at least has shown that they can uh, take some criticism, um, take a little bit of chewing out maybe from Mike Roberts or whoever it be at, at halftime, and, and they come out a little bit more aggressive. Um, speaking of our all of our four games that we've been able to see, uh, including our exhibition, our exhibition game we had uh, 12 steals. Then uh, next game we had six steals. Then four steals. Then six steals. This past, past uh, game, if you kind of go back and kind of litmus test, look at them just watching with the naked eye at these different games. The exhibition game we were a lot more aggressive. We guys were digging on on guys when they had it in in the baseline. Uh, We were up on them a lot more than we have been in these past couple games. Um, I don't know if that's a matter of us getting into into that aggressiveness from the bat, um, but there has been a a lack of attention to that from the start and uh, consistency with that aggressiveness.
0: Yeah, and you know, point that was made in the chat, and that's a good one, is you know, there there have been some of these lineups, you have three or four guys that are playing their first year in the pack line defense. Armand Franklin, Trace Jackson Davis, Jerome Hunter, you know, Race Thompson. I mean, those guys have been, you know, some of those guys have been around. You know, Joey Brunk, but they may be playing their, their first year in this defense. Um but and and, and let's hold that thought because I want to come back to it. But coach, you know, one of the things that we've talked about on the postgame show and that has been most concerning to me is, you know, one of the biggest culprits on a lot of the defensive issues has been Al Durham. And, you know, look, he's a guy who, you know, you look at, you know, just the eye test watching him last year, the metrics, he was a good, solid defender. You know, a guy that we talked about, you know, usually did a pretty good job on the ball, would, you know, kind of get lost a little bit sometimes when he was being run off screens, but was still a guy that we all had confidence in from a defensive standpoint. You know, we've mentioned numerous times on the postgame show you know, specific instances of him not being able to contain the ball, you know, getting getting screened and not being able to fight through a screen, you know, and just looking at some of the numbers, you know, they're not good. And, you know, one thing that I saw, coach, and I don't know if you saw this toward the end of the game. Was you know, and this is toward the end of the North Alabama game. Is it looked to me like Al was limping a little bit and kind of you know reaching for the back of his leg, and look, we know that he was dealing with an injury as recently as a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, and, and had to miss a little bit of time, and to me. You know, I would not be surprised if he's not a hundred percent and I don't know. I've actually I've tried to find this out and I can't get confirmation on it and, you know, he's not a guy who's gonna make excuses, and we know Indiana's never gonna really be, you know, fully forthright with a guy who's, you know, who may be injured. I think he may be dealing with something physical because he doesn't seem to be moving as well as he usually does, and that would explain some of the issues that he's had. Because, you know, we all love Al. Al has not been good on defense so far this year. That doesn't mean he isn't a good defender, and I think Getting him back to 100% along with Rob and, of course, along with Devontae is really going to help. And, and, you know, seeing that in the second half of the North Alabama game, and I don't know if anybody else saw it, but it, it kind of made sense for why he may be struggling a little bit with, you know, with some of this stuff on defense.
1: Yeah, You know, I, I'm not going to dismiss that as a possibility because if you're not at 100%, you're probably not going to play to your best ability on defense. But if anyone's been hurt and has that excuse – it, it's Rob finnessy and his numbers so far this season are a lot better than Al's numbers. Uh, and Finnecy had the lower abdo- abdominal thing where he didn't even practice for four weeks, and, and we're counting on him to make big stops in these games to turn momentum around. So, I don't know that I really... I, I do understand the injury situation, um, but I think it's more of just out of position. And we think of position basketball, or the one, two, three, four, and 5 on offense, but there's also a spot where you guard the best on defense. And I think a lot has been asked of L and he's done a really good job filling in with our starting two guards hurt L. Probably if he was a starter, if he is a starter would be at the three and guarding a three is going to be different than guarding uh, a point guard. And it could be possibly easier for L to guard at the three or even the two to some extent. So, uh, I, I think that's that, that to me is more um, – you know, there's a lot on the plate right now for the point guard, running the show on offense, getting back on defense, setting the defense, guarding someone who's probably the quickest member of the opposing team. So I think he's just going through some struggles as he has been heaped on a lot of responsibility, and, and that has to change for him to continue to be productive defensively, and I'm not trying to excuse – that. But I think that's more to me, what's wrong with L's defense than it is um, the possibility. And I think that goes right down the line. I think uh, the question for me and the criticism, I I can't criticize Archie because everyone knows how I feel about Archie, but I'm not a big proponent of this big lineup from a defensive standpoint. I think our fours are struggling to guard the stretch fours. And then when you get into uh, some situations where you might have to help and X out, you find yourself a big on, on a two and and you can't guard that as well. I just think we're better with Justin at the four and, and, and race at the four to even race is struggling, guarding the the bounce some uh, from his position. So I just think it's a technique and practice is so hard guys as a coach to simulate that, you know, in practice there are, we have basically four post players going five on five there. We don't, how do you set up practice where you have four quick guys out there to simulate? Uh, and, and that's that's Archie's job. He's got to get it done. Um, but it, it just comes down to having lots of reps, lots of game reps. Uh, and, again, it's early uh, in the season to to get overly, overly concerned. But I think all of that does play a role in where we're at defensively.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and look, there there could be a little bit of noise in some of the early numbers. You know, Indiana's absolutely getting killed on jump shots right now. There have been uh thirty-one jump shot attempts that were basically Al, uh, Rob, or Armand have been the defender on. And on those 31 attempts, 54 points have been scored, which is one point seven four points per possession, which is an insane number. For context, last year Indiana gave up eight hundred and twenty nine points on nine hundred and sixteen jump shots. That's point nine oh five points per possession. And I think there's a couple of things like we've seen some poor closeouts and we've seen some on ball defense that isn't close enough and competitive enough. And so, you know, guys have been a little bit too comfortable to make some tough shots. And there's also been kind of some tough shots made. So I think it's probably again, I think there's some noise in the numbers, some issues just with lineups, coach and guys playing a little bit out of position and just some improvements that guys need to make, you know. And so I think all of those things kind of explain what we've seen. And to a certain extent, it's been a perfect storm but the other thing also is Chad. I think people are getting a little tired of like you know explaining it and like all the context and the nuance. And it's like when are we just going to play top twenty defense? You know, we were promised a defensive program, a a program that's going to hang its hat on defense. Why are we dealing with these issues three games into season number three? And I get that, and I think that's why we all would like to see coming out in this Troy game, this team coming out you know with the lunch pails and the hard hats on and digging in. And playing some real good defense and hopefully whatever archie said to him in the last game gets through and we start to see a little bit more of that even from some of the young guys you know because that ultimately is what we need to see that's what's going to create sustainable success under archie miller you know some of the offensive stuff there's a little bit of fool's gold that's happened offensively so far this year this team's got to play hard-nosed defense for 40 minutes to be as good as we think they can be
2: i'm going to be looking very closely at the first half of the troy game Um, whatever we whatever was said again taking off his sport jacket and yelling at them at halftime during the Alabama game uh, they came out um, while they shot really well in the first half and only made five field goals that whole second half Um, I remember kind of looking halfway uh, towards the end of that half and I was shocked that they only scored 11 points so our, our, our defense got a lot better and again it's there's an Armand Franklin, while he has done very well for us, we still got to remember this is his first year in, 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 this, in this team and in this squad. Um, there's little mistakes that you see from the eye um, that will get cleaned up and everything, and, and Coach, maybe you can talk to this. Um, Al, probably part of his bad numbers, and maybe it's part of the injury that we've been talking about, but there were numerous times where he would come down to help and he would lose his man and then a ball would get passed out to him. Um, is that something more of the pack line? Uh, is he helping too much on that, or do you think it's it's just a matter of him losing his losing his 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 spot?
1: The best thing any team can do is make good help decisions on defense. Um, bad help decisions put you in rotation. And Chad, I think you're right that you know um, you find sometimes as a coach players trying to do too much, uh, which then make it look really bad. Uh, and again, not not trying to find. Excuses here. Um, But I do think some of that uh, is the case. You know, uh, you do have Armand playing first college basketball, and we thought he would play eight to 12 minutes. He's playing 26 minutes and learning on the fly. Uh, You you have Rob, who's the best defensive player, not playing. And at some point, we can't sit here and just say injuries, injuries. This is a multi year problem. It's just the guys on the floor have got to play better. But I will say, from a coach's standpoint, too, you do look at stats and you do look at the uh, analytics, but there's there's stories within the stats. Like there were two possessions where Archie was trying to trap. I don't think it worked well. So that hurts your points per possession and your defensive efficiency, but he got it on film. He's going to evaluate it as his coaching decision. There are games that we call certain things at certain times. So we can go in at halftime and say, did this work? Did this not work? Here's what we want to eliminate. And that may throw the stats out of, out of sync. Right. And, and you don't want to play around and experiment too much and lose a game. But in November right now, when you have new players and you have new things, and so if, for instance, in that North Alabama game, the guards were getting open, the drives were there. So I wonder if Archie said, let's try something to see if we can't shut that down and put that in our toolbox for later, that if we are having a bad start, we could go here. Well, then that didn't work. And then go to that. Uh, You do have that flexibility, and that's where a three-game stretch of numbers does start telling you some patterns, but it's not the complete story Uh, within what we do in the locker room and film study um, in preparing the team. It's just like the Ken Palm, all that, and the net, that all has to wash out after 10 to 15 games uh, to really get a true indication of whether this team is is playing well or not.
0: You know, and I think it's important to be clear – that at least for me, like what i've seen over three games i 'm not overreacting to it to the point where I 'm changing my expectations or what I think this team can be. I still think this team can be a top twenty defense you know so don't don't get me wrong, but there are there have been more concerning possessions and stretches on defense than I was expecting to see through three games, and you know we're here that those are this these those are the only data points that we have, so that's what we're analyzing right now, but I think we're all in agreement that there are a lot of reasons to think that you know when we have the the benefit of hindsight 2 months from now we'll look at this and say okay you know we really struggled for xyz reason but boy when we you know some of these other things happened we started to play better and you know coach one of the things that i think is really going to help is getting devonte green back and i think it is easy to forget about the things that he provides because obviously there are some things, you know, some struggles that he has that are, you know, very obvious and that have frustrated people. Um, And it's just easy to kind of forget about a guy when he hasn't been out there on the court. But there are a few things that I want to point out that I'm not sure everybody realizes that he's really good at that are going to help this team. Um, And, and two of them are defensive. You know, one is, and and Coach, this is to your point, where Indiana has struggled defensively, the ball screen defense and isolation defense. Indiana's guards have not been good at that. Devontae Green last year in 78 possessions of ball screen defense or isolation defense gave up 53 points. That's .68 points per possession. It's outstanding. It's in like the 80th, 90th percentile, and it was the best on the team. He struggles as a help defender. He's not always where he's supposed to be in those situations, but put him on the ball one-on-one against somebody and competing To fight through a screen, he does it. That is really going to help this perimeter defense. He also is a guy, Chad, to your point, that gets steals. You know, he has a steal percentage of 3% for his career. That's really good. He's been nationally ranked in that stat every year. Those two things are going to help. Now, he's going to get, again, he's going to get beat and help and some of those other things. But that is going to help the on-ball defense. And the other thing that I want to mention that we're, that is going to be helpful, you know, because I mentioned earlier that some of the offensive success Indiana's had is a little bit of fool's gold. And part of what I mean by that is the defenses that we've played haven't been good enough to put us in the situations where we're really going to struggle. And one of those situations is isolation. The best defenses, the Texas Techs, the Virginias, you know, the Michigans last year. One of the reasons why they were so good defensively is they put offenses in isolation eight, nine, 10% of the time. And most college teams don't have the kinds of guys that are talented enough to just go score against a good defense in isolation. Well, you know, Indiana's offense has been good this season, but only 2% of our possessions have been ISOs, and we only have two points on those possessions. So even against these bad defenses, we haven't been good in limited, you know, possessions against, you know, in isolation situations. Devontae last year had a higher isolation scoring efficiency than Romeo or Juwan. So that's the other thing that he's going to bring is when the defense ratchets up, there are going to be ISO situations. I think Jerome is going to be a guy who's going to do well in those. But I think Devontae is going to be the guy that we're going to look to. So you know, I've gotten a couple of questions like, is Devontae coming back going to hurt the chemistry of the team? And are we really missing that much? I just want to be crystal clear. Yes, there are specific things we've seen defensively and specific things he brings to the table offensively that this team is missing that is really going to help. And that's why all offseason, Coach, we talked about how he's one of those guys that just does things that no one else on the roster can do. Those are a few of them. And I just think it's important now as we hopefully get him back within the next week or two. That's what he's going to bring back to the table.
1: You know, I, I, I think that speaks for itself. Um, you know, good Devontae uh even even average devonte is our starting two guard and and rob is our starting point guard and neither of those two have started a game and i think that obviously hurts your defense and i think devonte again the isolation offense is something i think we need to talk more in depth as as he sits out a couple more games uh there there is no one right now that is really going downhill or just rising up and scoring one on one against somebody we're going to need that I thought at times in these last couple of games we've missed that uh and and the offense has just gotten stagnant at times and at those times you want to turn to, to Devonte and it's nice to have someone go get get some options so that that's a great observation but I do Devonte doesn't get a lot of credit for his defense but boy he's all over He's getting uh, that dreaded word deflections and steals and all of those types of things when you when you really sit down and watch Devonte. But anytime you take your two starting guards off the floor, you're going to it's going to cause problems throughout. And you mentioned something else that I think Indiana fans need to understand. And I and I know you know the guys at three man weave and everything think us the love of Jerome Hunter is a little bit overblown. But Jerome Hunter is a basketball player. He's an athlete. He's long. He looks like a basketball player. He's not going to be his best probably till next year when he gets a full year of practice. But he is in a stance. He's sliding hard. When he gets beat, he is flying around defensively. His technique is below average, but I love the way he wants to play defense, and he's long and lean. And then if he can also do that offensive isolation and scoring and just rise up and bang threes, you got a guy that can play on both ends. And I think that's some of the reason, too. you got guys that are just getting up to speed uh, defensively. And, and I, I, you know, I, we all get criticized a little bit for liking Indiana too much and finding excuses. There is no excuse for bad defense. It's all heart and it's all mine. If you can't play defense, you know, go get your popcorn and sit in Section G. I mean, that's just the way it's got to be. <laughs> and so there's no excuse for these first three games. It's despicable. But it's understandable, and that's the point I think we're trying to make.
2: Spitting mad rhymes, <laughs> coaches. <Yeah. laughs> that was great, uh, Chad. Why don't uh, you t- de- take the defensive <laughs> guy? You got to play defense. I, hey, I agree with gotta
1: you. Got to want to do it. Want to do it a little more, whether you're a new guy or not. Get out there and do it.
2: Fired up, Fired up, coach. Fired up, coach. Fired up,
0: coach is The best, Chad. Why don't you take uh, the last word on this?
2: Just two things to remind you about Devonte Green. He came into IU um as a freshman, not even under Archie Miller, saying that he wanted to be a Big Ten all defender he was hanging his hat on defense. He wanted to be a really good defensive player. He didn't come in saying he wanted to make all these highlight reels or anything like that. He wanted to come in and be a defender. And um, that's what he's shown us. I mean, even last year he has on his resume, he got a steal holding a shoe in his hand. So he, <laughs> he's a defender. He, he likes to do that. It, his energy and his aggressiveness on the defensive end is going to be something that will be noticeable once he's out there.
0: All right. So we got that out of our system. Now let's just hope that this team comes and plays better on Saturday. Cause now to your point, coach, like all of us talking about it and explaining it and all that stuff, like at some point now we've just got to see it. And and really that's got to start pretty soon because eventually three games becomes four and becomes five and you're into habits and trends that are carrying you into the meat of the season. So I, it's got, it really needs to start on Saturday. Um, I think. And so hopefully that's what we see. Hopefully, all right. Uh, coming up in our third segment, we're going to answer your questions, including the much-anticipated mediocre question of the week, uh, and then a bunch of other ones. You guys send in a ton of questions. We'll get to as many of them as we can. Stick with us on the Assembly because We're doing that next.
2: This is Tim Priller, and I never miss an episode of the Assembly Call.
0: Thanks, Tim. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris, here with Chad Schwartzkopf and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, and after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Time now for the mailbag. A ton of good questions. They were all submitted via our private IU Basketball Discussion Community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com slash community. Get coaches weekly coaches corner videos, which are fantastic. Um, So, Coach, let's jump into this question. This is from Bill, and it kind of piggybacks on what we talked about in the last segment. How valuable is a defensive scheme that takes over two years to incorporate? Is the delay in implementation due to over complexity, poor instruction or low functionality of the plan as an instructor, I'd be very concerned if my students were failing to grasp the concept. So obviously he's talking about the pack line defense here. How would you respond to bill?
1: Yeah. And I answered him in the community too. It takes um, a couple years to institute a good defensive culture into a program uh, when you take over from someone who is so different. Um, And so that, that, Needs to be some patience there. And within the season too, it it takes a a few games to get to the level that you want uh, for running any defense. And guarding the ball um, is very, very difficult in the college game because of the skill level and the athleticism of the college guys. And so what you see a lot of coaches do is play zone to eliminate that and force people to shoot. You see a lot of people do multiple defenses uh, in order to confuse the offense more than actually stop the offense. And, and so, and then you see some coaches, you just say, okay, we're, we got to play defense, but we'll play, we'll focus on offense and score 90 and only give up 80 and not be concerned uh, with defense. Archie wants to do it one way. Now that could be disagreed with and you can say that's a problem. And maybe that's the over complexity of it that he wants to do it one way with complex ideas, but that's what he wants to do. And when it gets going, it should be really, really good. So I, I think there's a little bit of level of patience, um, but I think it's, it's just something that needs to be practiced a lot to be great at. If you want to be average, you don't put a lot of time into it. Archie wants greatness, not just average.
0: Yep. All right. It is time now for the mediocre question of the week from Jay. Uh, Chad, Jay asks, after three games, which of your preseason predictions about the team or a particular player do you feel best about and which one do you feel worst about? He also says, what's one trend you expect to continue throughout the season and one trend you don't expect to last, good or bad? So take that any angle that you want.
2: I, th- I think the one that I take that uh, was a prediction, I'll go, I'll go the bad first, get that out of the way. Um, and maybe, again, it, it's just who we're playing, but uh, the one thing that's scaring me a little bit is our 1-2 combo underneath. I think we really kind of was hoping for Duran and uh, Joey to kind of come in and be those solid guys underneath, um, giving the big minutes for us, but I don't think we've really seen that yet. For, uh, from either of them. Again, once we get into the Big Ten, I think it'll change. Um, they'll, they'll be a little bit, uh, matched up against bigger guys, be able to bang in with them, um, and, and, and do things a lot better. I mean, Joey's been doing a lot of, uh, having a lot of minutes, but he's not, he's not showing up as big on the sat, stat sheet. But I believe that might just be a thing if he's doing more McRoberts types of things for us out there. Um, as far as things that, um, are kind of sustaining and staying the same. Um, Rob, I think, is kind of, while he is injured, um, but he is kind of coming out and showing that he's going to be that leader that we all kind of expect him to be. Um, he, in the last game specifically, uh, came in and kind of calmed the team and refocused us and was really kind of, as the uh, announcers like to say so many times, was the catalyst of, of this team. And, and he is continuing to do that and, and show that he can be that kind of player for us.
0: Yeah, Coach, what um, what 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 is it for you? Which maybe preseason predictions do you feel best about, uh, or maybe a trend that you've seen that you expect to continue or not?
1: Uh, I'm going to turn Jay's mediocre question into one of positive. I I I think Rob's done a good job. He's averaging over five assists. He's had some turnovers, but being injured, I was really nervous about his production, and I think he is getting back to normal quicker than I thought he would. So that that's a trend in the right direction there. Um, and, and Trace Jackson Davis has, I think, averaging eight rebounds and and his scoring and free throw shooting. Uh, I think that was one of the predictions that Jay asked us about, and and we were a little skeptical about how much uh, those averages would be. And I, I I think he's playing better than than expected. Um, so you know, and then we just got to say, you know, free throws. Wow, seventy six percent for the team. That... That, that's a that's a great trend and and I think we've talked about the concerning trend um possibly with with the defense
0: you know I will say uh, one trend that I expect to continue is jerome and race being a dynamite combination together. I think those two guys really play well together and complement each other well uh, and I think you know i don't who you know who starts a game it's important but you know obviously what's more important is who ends a game but you know for this program let's get off to good starts for goodness sake so i think that is important and i actually like Joey Bronk as a guy who starts and gives you energy gives you some toughness at the beginning of games so and i say that to say you know i think Jerome and Race probably are going to be guys coming off the bench for most of the season and i just think those guys together with Jerome you know once he made that first three pointer he has just been so just locked in offensively. I mean, he, he is just a score. The guy is wired to score. He's versatile. I think he's going to be really important for this team in so many different matchups because of what he does. And Ray Thompson just comes in and gives you toughness and gives you rebounds. And I think those two guys coming off the bench are going to be huge. And so that's a trend that we've seen. And it feels like each game we've gotten reasons to be more encouraged by each one of them. Um, And again, I know it's only three games. And so with Jerome, we've got to make sure that he stays healthy. And and obviously with race, we've got to see what it looks like against more competent big guys. But I just, to me, I've seen enough to really think that that early trend uh, is going to continue. Um, Let's go with Patrick's question, Coach. Do you think the offensive improvement is sustainable against better competition? Because Indiana's offensive numbers have been really good. Obviously, the defenses that we've been playing have not.
1: You know, um, I I think for me, you definitely need Devontae back in order for it to continue to be solid against better teams. I think we've been able to take advantage of uh, size and and some quickness inside and some ability to pressure and get some easy baskets against these teams. And that's good for a start. And and I do like the free throw numbers. I do like all of that stuff. But we're going to need someone that can break someone down I think we're going to need um, Jerome to keep averaging 10 to 13 points a game. He's close to averaging that right now. Um, I think we're going to need those things against the Florida States, the Notre Dames uh, in the non-conference and, and the Big Ten. So I am a little worried about the, the stagnant offense sometimes in that big man lineup. And, and that's my only disagreement with the program is the big lineup is just sludging things down on, on both sides of the ball, um, at least from my vantage point here in the recliner.
0: Coach I think Ford, or I, Chad, yeah, you go.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think once we kind of narrow down on that on the good lineups and and we can start building chemistry from those. I mean, like we like you kind of mentioned before. I mean, my favorite lineup currently right now is involved with uh, Jerome, Justin, Trace, um, Rob, and eventually uh, Al. Right now, but will eventually be Green once he he's healthy. And once you can narrow it on those, it, it it'll get. The offense will just build from there. Again, Jerome is feeling uh, a little bit better. A lot of those shots are rolling. The bounces are going better for him, and, and it'll just get better as we continue.
0: Yeah, and you know, to to the point that you made, Coach. I think some of it is sustainable. I think Al's consistent approach offensively that's been great to see because that's not something he's had, and I think it's a real sign of maturity um, from him. And I think, you know, we haven't really seen Duran get going offensively, and he's been a major catalyst for this team offensively every year he's been in the program, and we know, you know, the kind of impact that Devontae has. And so I think when he comes back, that's really going to help too. So there are some things like we talked about, you know, the the... You know They haven't been put in certain situations so far, so you should be wary about that. We'll have to see how they approach that, but they're also going to be getting reinforcements back with Devontae Green, Um, so I think that obviously will will help them sustain it as much as they can. All right, that is going to have to do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show, and thank you for listening. We will be back to talk with you on Saturday after the IU-Troy game. Until then, take it from me, Jordan Halls. Keep your elbow in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank
2: everybody for coming
0: out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. All right, uh, so let's hit some of these other questions here real quick. You guys have time, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay, because there are some other good ones. Um, okay, we hit that one. Okay, so Phil said, Jerome looks like he can fill it up from outside. Justin Smith looks like he could be a star. What will it take to get them over the hump in terms of consistency? I mean, I think with Jerome, it's just reps and being comfortable. I think he's going to be a consistent player but, you know, once he just is comfortable back being himself. If you can answer that question for Justin Smith, you,
1: <laughs> you
2: know, I've, well, I've, I mean, I, I noticed something when I looked back with Justin, um, he needs to get going early in the game. Um, and the game that he had nearly, he tied, I think his career high for 24 points was the Western Illinois game. The very first point scored on that game was a steal from Justin Smith, where he went down and dunked. Uh, made a fantastic dunk on the other side, and he had several dunks in that game. Again, maybe that's the competition, but him getting started early um, allows him to feel the flow, it seems, in the games, um, whereas when he struggles and, and can't find the ball early, I think he just kind of disappears while he still contributes. He is still kind of doing the um, off-the-stat sheet kind of things that you see, playing good defense still and and getting a few rebounds. Um, I think for offensive-wise, he's, he's got to get involved early. I think yeah, that's a great point.
1: You know, I think a lot of times we get wrapped up in, in what his stats were. I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was a great game by any means uh, for Justin uh, on Tuesday, but I felt like he did some things, and so I don't know if it was just a lack of um, – I don't think it was that lack of engagement for me. And once I started watching the tape again to get some – uh, stuff for Coach's Corner, I, I thought a little bit better about, about his game. But here, here's the thing, too, that um, coaches, there are players that you count on and they're consistent. And then there are players that are really good, uh, and when they're go- going really good, you use them. Uh, and when they're not going good, you got to be able to have someone fill in for them. And, and, and I think as the year goes on, I think Justin, unless he finds that consistency, will be one of those – you know, uh, shaking pops up. You know, when when it's shaken up and it sprays out, you're going to use them. If not, you're going to keep the, the top on it, and you'll play race or you'll play someone else, and that's what depth affords Archie Miller. Um, but I don't know that you can consistently say he's going to get you 20 points a night and be that go-to guy. I, I think Devontae's that guy, Rob's that guy, and Jerome, whenever he can get up to speed, will be more likely to be those kinds of offensive guys. And so – um you, you You can't have perfect guys on a thirteen man roster all the time you just gotta Jared said it as a coach you got to put people in the right positions to succeed and and archie's gonna have to figure out what that means for justin um well, was it a three the four scoring not scoring but he's a guy you use when he's going well you use him and, when well, and he's i don't
2: not, I- I don't know how you can, how you motivate him though, too. I mean, that's, that's another question too. When he isn't getting it going, how do you get him going? You can't use the bench because I don't think that works with him. I think he gets down on himself more when he, No, when but he it
1: works for the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you, just, yeah, well, yeah. if you're engaged, you're going to help the team. If you're not engaged, I, I don't, if it doesn't work for you, I don't care. We need someone who is engaged in the game.
2: Oh, you and definitely, never, definitely sub him out.
1: Yeah. But, um, you know and he's just you got to play outside your personality when you cross that red line that's around the court in assembly uh hall you've got to fight your personality and you just got to keep talking to a young man like that fight your personality fight your you're not fighting your personality uh there you go you you're going to have to sit and and it either clicks or it doesn't click and so far this year it's been a lot better uh overall um but but you know yeah, I mean, I think he needs to play the four.
0: Well, I know. I mean, I, I think he has best lineups are probably there. You know, I don't know that that is his preference, but, you know, <laughs> he's also going to have to do it. I mean, you know, back to the question, what will it take to get them over the hump in terms of consistency? I mean, I think for Justin... If having a roster full of guys behind him that can take those minutes doesn't work, I don't know what will and and look, we say all this on the heels of him playing overall three really good games, like he's been better this year, he's showing signs like that episode that we had four or five weeks ago, where it's like which path is he taking? Is he going down the Charlie Miller path or is he going down the Daryl Thomas path you know of guys that really got better their last couple of years So far, he's taken the good path, so hopefully that continues, but you know I think if having race and Jerome and all these capable guys to take his minutes doesn't do it, I, you know, nothing will. I mean, if you're a player and the bench doesn't motivate you, you know, that, that's kind of seems like it's got to be the ultimate motivator if you're able to be motivated.
1: Uh, okay. So, so here's my point where, where he's best. And and again, I will always defer to Archie, but if, if, you, if he's playing 24 minutes at the three, we are going to have three players on the court that can't shoot threes. And so then it's Devante and Rob, and that does not stretch the floor. And you can say he's better there and he likes to play there and he wants to play there. And you want to get your best players in at the four and the five, but you have 60% of your offense that cannot shoot threes. Uh, you get Jerome out there. You get L at the three. I like a combination of L and Jerome uh, at the three. You could throw Demise in when, when you don't need defense, you just need points. You can throw Demise in <laughs> and, and, and he can shoot the three and he can play that three. Um, but now you're got to, you you've got two spots and only 20 minutes or 40 minutes a game to find shooters. Yeah. Um, and again, I will always defer and cheer for the coach and cheer for Indiana, no matter what uh, I'm this, that kind of guy, but that's my one situation where he can screen pop out, drive and maybe have a better offense, even against a, a, a defending
0: four. Um, And it's also, I mean, you kind of, as a coach, you have to sell that to the guy, you know, Hey, your life is going to be easier offensively. If you're out there with three shooters, there's going to be more openings for you,
2: you know? So, uh, he's been been trying the three. I mean, at least, at least he's been trying to put himself out there in these games that when he can, um, but yeah, I mean, if, if we, if we try to, like coach said, put him at the three, it's just going to be a nightmare. Like last year, teams are going to sag off of him and, and wait for him to drive. Yeah. Um,
0: also Phil asked, has Joey Brunk been a disappointment or are they limiting his minutes during the early season? I, so the way that I would answer this is I think Joey Brunk to me, he's only been a disappointment if your expectations were too high based on what he had been at Butler, you know, and, and, and maybe that is the fault of, you know, podcasts and media that got overly excited about his commitment. But I don't really think so, because I think his commitment was an important one, and some of the things that everybody talked about him bringing, the leadership and the toughness and all those things, he's brought that stuff. It's just when the games start, you don't necessarily see it in the box score, and I think, Coach, to the point you made on the post-game show, they were really doing some things with hedging ball screens, and he was you know either he was getting out of position or they were putting him in positions to not look very good um you know but we haven't really seen him make a huge impact on offense but we haven't really seen any of the post guys make a huge impact on offense otherwise to me he's been the guy that he was at butler and i think he's played tough i think he's played hard and i think he's done some of the things that you expected so no to me he hasn't been a disappointment he's been for the most part what i thought he would be and that i think he will be and i don't i just i don't see him as a guy that's going to be playing 20-plus minutes, I think I, I like him as a starter. I think he brings you good toughness to start a game, good leadership to start a game, and then you pick your spots with him from there. But to me, he hasn't been a disappointment.
1: Man, a chat mob is perfectly on this one, Jared. Um, Joey Brunk was brought in not to get stats and not to be a Kempom Palm superstar. Joey Brunk was brought in to bring toughness to the program. Archie was not happy with the competitiveness and toughness of a talented a group last year uh, to overcome some adversity. Joey Brunk was come in, and he has been dominating that locker room. He was not known as a good defender at Butler, not known as a good rebounder. I really like his effort defensively. His technique, not so much. I really like his effort going after rebounds. He's not explosive. He can't get, He's not getting up off the ground above the rim type of rebounder, but he will give everything because he loves wearing the Indiana uniform and the candy stripes. And that is what this program has needed. And so Joey Brunk will go down, not for any stats or not for anything visually pleasing, but he is needed out there for 12 to 18 minutes to be that guy, to make sure Indiana is playing the right way, at least effort and hustle wise. And I don't think there's been any question of Indiana basketball effort, attitude, anything. It's just been technique uh, that has been poor in in some areas. I, I think for the most part, um, and I, I, and I think that's Joey's thing and Joey Brunk's Joey Brunk and, and you just got to love him for, you know, that junkyard mentality.
0: Chad, are you on board with that too?
2: Yeah. I mean, that that gave me the biggest hope in the, in the post was hearing, hearing that story um, that we all heard of them playing uh, a little pickup ball with each other and everything. And the guys kind of started to kind of dwindle and one guy was headed towards the door at the end of it. And Joey ran across and closed the door and said, no, we didn't go hard enough. We didn't go long enough and we didn't go long enough. We're going to, we're going to keep playing. So that's, that's exactly, that's the kind of thing you're seeing from him and you're seeing that help of that culture change and, and, and where the program is headed back in the right, in the right area. And I have to say stuff in the uh, stuff and things in the, in the chat said it, said it great too. We'd love to just see him wear out Matt Harms, and that's enough for him.
0: <laughs> yes, wear out, definitely wear out Matt Harms. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, I'm going to do that after a post game show sometime. Just hey, this wasn't good enough. We're staying here. We're doing it again. We're running it back, hey, um, Jared.
1: <laughs> and this, this is a good point too. And and Joel says the the whole show and no mention of race. So I, so I'll uh, Joel. Yeah, that's race he to me. He needs, race. To play, he needs to play more minutes. Yeah. I agree. I'll I'll just bring that up. Um, I I think race has earned more minutes. Um, and and again, not being overly critical, but man, if you play that hard and you rebound like that, you you know, I I don't know how many, you know, I tried to divide up the minutes the other day. There's a discussion in the chat room about how many minutes the guards would play And Boy, it's not easy when you got 11 players and and you want your better players around 28 to 34 minutes because they're your best players. But if you do that, The other guys don't get a whole lot. It's not easy to divide that up, but boy, I like race a lot. And I think once he learns how to guard the bounce, then he'll be able to even play even more
0: I like Joel's filling in for Ryan tonight, where he's not listening or paying attention to the show. We talked about race. There've been a few mentions. Joel's probably had a couple of bourbons. Yeah, come on, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> he, he and stuff and things are in there, getting back, going back and forth a little bit. Um, okay, uh, so we probably should have hit this before, but I think this is a good question from Patrick. Justin Smith. Justin Smith's effort gets discussed here often, and rightly so. Can you talk about the difference between engaged and production with Justin? Well, he may not have been productive last game. After rewatching, he was engaged, thoroughly uh, active hands, feet moving on defense, blocking out, et cetera. Um, and I agree with that. Like I, I kind of felt we were pretty harsh against Al and Justin. I thought on the post game show some of it I thought was warranted, you know, and some of it I thought, you know, upon reflection and kind of restudying it, maybe we were a little bit too harsh on those guys, um, you know. I, I always try and kind of reflect and see what we did right, what we got wrong. Um, but I think he makes a good point about Justin here. And it sounds like you saw the same thing, Coach.
1: Yeah. You know, we, we as fans look at the box score, that production, and, and there are different ways you can be productive as a basketball player without filling the, the box score. And you add that to expectation of Justin being one of our leading, our leading scorer without Devontae in, he doesn't take but two or three shots, only scores three or four or five points, and you think it's a bad game. But when you went back and looked at it, he was, I thought, engaged. There, wa- there weren't any a lot of those moments where he was just aloof on the, on the court. I did think there were a few and a few more than in game one and game two in the exhibitions. Uh, but it wasn't one of those where I would say that okay, he was you know where everyone got mad last year and Justin shouldn't be playing type of games. Uh, so yeah, it's tough sometimes when the box score numbers aren't there. I think that immediate reaction, um, watching it live and then looking at the box score, we, we all do that. And and so I think that's I, I agree that um, Justin was engaged. He just didn't have the production.
0: And that you know he used and. And it's important for him, and it's important for an older guy that your flo- the floor performance for you raises. You know, like everybody's going to have some bad games. You know, and, and and I don't. I think North Alabama was a bad game for junior year Justin Smith, but it still it showed growth because his bad games before, I mean, you're just like, oh my goodness, you know. And so I think that that in and of itself shows some improvement from him, and that's. But- yeah that's what we're looking for from these guys. Don't you're not expecting perfection, but it, you know, that's what's rewarding about being a fan is you just see guys grow and get a little bit better and and you just see that steady improvement and I think we're seeing that from him.
2: Well, the the bar is set really high for Justin. I mean, we all as fans have seen his potential for a long time. And we've been excited and been wanting wanting so desperately to see him do well. And I think part of that reaction to this past game is the fact that he came out this season pretty hot and doing a lot of great things. And so we're excited for what could be and can be and has been a little bit this season already with him. So a a slump on the stat sheet on one game, um, has us rolling our eyes again and and, and frustrated, but uh, we have to like like we have drilled here. He look off of that and and look and see what he's doing that, that's not showing up in the numbers.
1: Let me let me ask you guys this quick question. Sorry to jump in here, but when you watch a game, are you guilty as I am guilty that? you want the game over in the first four minutes and you want absolute perfect basketball (laughs) and at the eight minute mark or the 10 minute mark, and you're only up three against North Alabama. You're like, Oh my gosh, here we go again. And I stay off Twitter because I don't want to comment after first 10 minutes, but my heart is racing. Like, Oh, what's the post game show going to be like, you know, if we get beat by North Alabama and that, that negative narrative, starting to snow football narrative, starting to creep in with basketball uh, as well. And then, Then I say, take a deep breath, be patient, be patient. Next thing you know, we win by 26. Um, And it's a D1. I I know it's not that great.
0: To be fair for the North Alabama game, though, yes, sometimes it's warranted, sometimes it's not. For the North Alabama game, I think it was warranted because it kind of matched how the coach was viewing it, too. And, like, something had to happen for it to change. But, yes, to your point, you know, I do. And part of that is I think it got worse last year because how we were conditioned last year where they would just come out for those final two months so flat, and it's like, oh, God, here we go again. It's 19 nothing to Michigan, you know? So, like, you kind of start to judge it a little bit early on. Hopefully we can get pat- – you know, I think when you trust your team and you trust your coach, you don't react like that. But we're trying to build that trust with the program right now. And we, to your point, it's the, ne- the, the negative football narrative is there a little yeah. bit right now because bad things have been happening.
1: I watch every other game as a coach. Then when I watch IU, I'm a fan. And (laughs) by the eight minute mark, I'm throwing stuff and I'm ticked and I'm saying bad language. My wife's slamming the door to shut. He ought to be fired.
2: Yeah, they got problems.
1: (laughs) I get mad when I do that, but I mean, maybe that's just uh, maybe that's just the way fans are. I don't know.
2: I I fall into the problem of that. I, I get I get into that trap at the beginning, and then I lose track of the score. I don't know if I'm not paying attention to the score or something like that. And it happened in the North Alabama game in the second half. Then I suddenly looked up and I was concerned about how this play went or how that play went. And then I looked at the score and like, oh, we're up by 20. Oh, okay. well, things are all right. We can kind of we're experimenting those things. Um, But yeah, I mean, we are fans. We hoot and holler and scream. I remember as a kid, my dad watching games and our dog used to hide under the bed in my my parents' uh, bedroom because he knew right away and i even my dog used to do that um when i'd watch it he'd, he'd stand in the kitchen and he'd kind of look kind of scary eyed at me i don't know if i'm looking more intense than i normally do <laughs> at the tv watching the games it's just it's how we how we are as fans i think
1: i have gotten better over the years though i used to be horrible in game screaming and yelling
2: oh, me-
0: Ho- hosting the show has changed how i watch games You know, because I try, I mean, like taking notes and trying to keep it in some kind of perspective. It's like, you know, because it's like two hours of preparing to do a show immediately after. That's changed. But then, of course, sometimes you get halftime reports like last game where it's basically just raw fan emotion for eight minutes. (laughs) But, you know, sometimes the play warrants that. Uh, Okay, let's hit. We got a few more to hit here from Max. And we played in tight games last year in crunch time. The ball was obviously going to Romeo, uh, Juwan, and and at times, Devontae. Do you think we will establish a few go-to players or will it be more democratic? Is this going to keep opposing defenses honest or is there a worry that we won't be decisive enough leading to bad looks late in the shot clock? Look, I think this is a concern that I have about this team and we're going to have to see how it develops. We covered this a little bit earlier that I think Devontae is going to be you know, your go-to guy when it when you need a guy to go get a shot. I think Jerome can also be that guy because he has a high enough release and is tall enough he can get his shot in a lot of different situations and he can do it inside and out, you know, outside of that, I think, you know, someone mentioned earlier that Rob is the best playmaker and he is, you know, but that's getting a shot for another guy. He's Rob's not always going to be able to get his own shot. Um, And and Rob doesn't have the same kind of wiggle that Devante does. So if you're, if there's, if there's a the constraint of a shot clock on Rob, he's a little bit less effective than when he's got time to probe a defense and kind of do what he wants to do. And so, you know, I think that the other – now, I think, you know, having some inside-out actions, doing some of that's going to help. The other guy that I think could factor in here, and it's probably one of the most improved single skills that I've noticed, is Al Durham's ability to shoot coming off screens or shoot when he's on the move. That I think is something else that Indiana can do to help get a shot in a tough situation. So, to me, that's what you're looking for: is you throw it to Devontae, you put Jerome in a good position, you know, to to go get a shot, or you set up some screens for Al, and essentially you have Rob kind of facilitate that. But Rob's going to be more a guy like we saw last year that I think is going to get his big shots when you go inside out. Um, he just doesn't create shots as well for himself as those other guys so that's how i see it kind of shaking out i'm worried about it though i think it's going to be a problem for this team um what do you what else do you agree with those coach and are there any other areas that you see i
1: i would be interested to see you know durham's been good doing a good job of getting downhill yeah uh, can, can, can he do that against better teams you know so late shot clock can you get him the ball on the wing against a closeout and then have him go drive I don't see him you know pulling it out calling for a ball screen up at the top like you see in college basketball all the time but maybe you can you know have some your work in motion and then at six you have a call and you get it to someone and they just go and try to get to the foul line um I, I have a lot of faith as much as we were s- upset with L defensively his offensive game I think is here to stay yeah and I think he's going to have to get minutes bad defensively or not because of the need for shooting and the need for points so I would say I would follow what you said and then just say maybe they'll design some actions um, in late shot clock situations for L.
2: I I feel like it's, it it could be situational too. I mean, I think the depth that we have, I I could see that if the matchup is right underneath, I could see it going to trace some sort of action to him underneath. Um, I, I like an idea where there's might be two options. Maybe there's an option down for trace and there's Al coming off of Al or Green coming off of screens. And I have the ball in Rob's hands, and he's making the decision on the play what the defense is giving us, which one he goes to, which one is the better option within those. So I, I, I kind of like Rob making that decision.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, to the point that some people are making in, in the chat, I don't mean to say that Rob's not going to be a guy to take big shots. He is. He takes them and he makes them. But, you know, as, as Eric said, it wasn't Rob's biggest shot when the play for Romeo broke down and they got it to Rob. Yes, that's what I mean. Like Rob's going to get his shots, not creating them for himself. You know, I, I I think the a play or an inside out or something breaking down where it's a scramble and then Rob gets a shot. That's where he got a lot of them last year, and I think we'll see that um, again. I'll t- I'll tell you the other thing where I think we get offense in these situations is crashing the hell out of the offensive glass and rebounding a missed shot. I think that is also another place where we can get offense in these situations because Trace is going to be good at it. Justin's going to be good at it. Race will be good at it. So these guys that can't create shot and you're not going to set anything up for them, go crash the glass. And now if you're getting 35-40% of those rebounds back off the misses, that's going to help you, again, the shot volume that we've talked about.
1: I will say this about Rob because I do agree with you. Usually you you want a guy attacking the rim that has length. You know, that's the Romeo, that's the Jerome. And and so Rob attacking, can he get a shot off late shot clock where it's going to be contested? He's got a nice hop back game, hop back shot game. He does. Uh, And and that could be a late shot clock too, where you put him in a ball screen or you you isolate him and he drives hard and he can hop back and shot fake, get fouled or, or shoot. So you know th- there's some things that might not be atypical. You usually put the ball in your point guard's hand and call for a ball screen and see what happens. Um, but uh, you know, Archie may have to get creative, but that that's where Rob would fit in in that that late game, but that's where normally Jerome and L and Devontae with more of a little waggle to their games and and downhill games you would go to, but don't don't sell short Rob Rob keeps impressing me. yeah, I didn't think he was going to be ready until Christmas time last year. He came out from the start. He guards. Uh, once he gets his handle back, the turnovers will drop. I just really think that's an un, unsung college hero that no one's looking at that is going to be at the end of his four years something spectacular that we're really going to miss uh, after he goes. I just, just really like his demeanor, his attitude. Um, and so, you know, th- sometimes you don't have the skills to get that shot off late, but you have the fight um and he'll find his way uh to get something done you might see that as well
0: well said and finally uh scott has a player comp here he says hey ryan although ryan's not on the show "Uh, although jerome is a bit bigger from the little we've seen player comp maurice creek i'm not really seeing the maurice creek player comp i mean now you know In terms of a guy that can step out and make shots and has kind of an assassin's mentality as a shooter, I think we're seeing some of that from Jerome, and we certainly saw that from Maurice. Um... But I think, you know, Jerome's ability to go in the post and some of his versatility, um, you know, it's some of the other things I, I don't I don't really see a whole lot of comparison there. And, you know, dear Lord, in terms of, you know, availability for his career, let's hope that uh, you know, there there's there's not a comparison there. So I can kind of see where you might go with that one, but that's not a player comp that I would really buy into. He's
2: he's gonna be a guy that's gonna be able to, and we've seen it a little bit, like you said, he's gonna we haven't seen many players at IU that can possibly or should be able to shoot it at three so much. And then that are great backing up players in the post. Um, and he shows that he likes to do that. And if he's on the three and he's backing up another three and another team, that's going to be an easy basket for him each time. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know who I would comp him with. Honestly.
0: It's, I mean, we just haven't seen him enough, you know, like there's, there are shades of Brian Evans in his game. There are things he does. that reminds me of Brian Evans. Um, and again, none of these player comps are perfect. Um, you know, and then that's I just I think he's a really unique player actually. That's the thing. Like I I'm I love the skill set that he brings and so if we can just see it fully developed and fully healthy, I think we're going to see something really special in him, which is what everybody was telling us before last season. So, you know, I'm excited about him. All right. Great questions everybody. Thank you for sending all those questions in. No, wait, um,
1: wait, except for Jace.
0: Oh, well, yeah, that question sucked, but iffy. (laughs) Yeah, Jeff said Christian Watford. Christian Watford's another good comp for uh, for Jerome. It's not bad. Yeah, you know, I don't... Yeah, no, that is a good one. I don't know that Christian necessarily had the -the back-to-the-basket game that it seems like Jerome has, but... Again, there's there's no perfect player comps. I think you start combining all those, but when you start mentioning names like Brian Evans and Christian Watford and you know Maurice Creek, it shows you the kind of offensive talent we're talking about with Jerome Hunter because he's reminding people of some of the most talented offensive players we've seen. So that's a good thing. Does
1: he just not look like a basketball player when he's out there? Just the that's way totally. his uniform, his the way his uniform hangs on him, his length. It's just like
2: and his mentality.
1: Get, he's come smooth. on, get up to speed, dude. We need you.
2: It's smooth. It's a smooth game that he plays. It's effortless. Yeah. It's right.
1: kind of like me with Oreos. Smooth.
2: <laughs> Double right. stuffed? Someone yeah, just of said,
1: course.
0: <laughs> you know, Joel, Joel threw out Scott May. That's what I mean. Like, we're, we're starting to name some pretty good names that's, here. That's and I don't the think, I don't yeah. think any Hardaway. of them are ridiculous.
1: Not Clayton, sorry, you had, you had a good comment earlier. But Penny Hardaway, you know, Jerome doesn't cheat. So you can't comp him to Penny Hardaway,
2: man. If he if if they don't if they don't suspend him for nine games or something comparable to what the other guy was, the other guy got twelve thousand for something, and and he ended up getting nine games. He's not going to. He's too much of a marquee player. NCAA is Pe- going to. Penny's
1: going to hire Little Penny to be on his coaching staff. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That'd be hilarious. They do need oh, to bring him out. Man. Their social media people are missing out on something.
0: Gosh. All right, everybody. Um, so, post game show Saturday, Coach, you're going to be at the game. I am probably not yeah. going to be available, so I think it's going to be Andy and Ryan doing that one. But if Andy's having internet issues, then I may have to pop on.
1: And what kind of guy has internet issues?
0: Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding.
2: Um, hey, it has it been good since Coach. So that yeah, it actually up. has.
1: It has.
0: So maybe you're I told just a guy. guy you need so show-
1: to get off off her computer. I put her on a no computer zone upstairs.
0: Maybe you're just a guy that doesn't warm up well, but you know, when the green light flashes and it's it's go time, <laughs> you and your internet are ready to roll. Um so yeah. Uh sweet. Enjoy the rest of your uh night, your Friday, and to everybody who's going to the Hoosier Hysterics event, have an awesome time. Send pictures. Lucky, you know, lucky let dogs them, let them know that the assembly call folks are uh there in spirit. Wish we could be there in person. Um, How long is that
1: event? event? When, when's that event get over?
0: I don't know. I mean, I would imagine it'll be going on for at least a couple of hours. And, you know, my guess is that there will be people hanging around for a while because they're going to start watching the IU Penn State game there. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, I would... I, if you can get yeah. in town by like two or three, I would
2: go. Pe- you know, people are saying something. three hours in the chat. Yeah. Yeah. So...
0: Yeah, try to go. And I I, mean, I know.
1: I, mean, I don't know if I'm going right away and watch. I can't get down there till about twelve thirty or one and go watch the football game somewhere, or stay home watch the football game and then go to Bloomington.
0: You're gonna
1: when Indiana upsets you
0: know? Penn State, you're gonna want to be in Bloomington to celebrate with everybody.
1: I might go jump on the goalpost if they as well. You should. You
2: as you well need you to go, coach. As as two guys, Jared and I, that can't just get in a car and get to Bloomington. Yeah you need to go headlines
1: headlines in the bloomington paper assembly call co-host arrested inside (laughs) memorial stadium for hanging on the go post yelling hey jared
0: (laughs) just make sure you please claim him
1: that would be the best
2: that would would be so great we would frame (laughs) that and put it right here (laughs) it's the new t-shirt send send that to home field right away oh yeah home field ton sony on there (laughs) there. It's a big
1: X for being arrested.
2: You know, oh man. God, can, can, great. We, can, can we get an assembly call Speedo made on the on the hurry? Can we?
1: <laughs> no, because Joel Joel and the chat mob will buy one for his trips to South Carolina and we don't we don't want to do that.
0: <laughs> okay. This has gotta be the most off the rails assembly call after dark when we're talking about uh the uh chat the, ton, mob the Tonsoni tailgate crew wearing speedos. <laughs> oh boy. Kent said, Coach, you'd get a new song if that's the case. Yes, you most certainly would. Yeah. You most certainly would. All right, everybody. Time to go get this thing posted. Good night, everyone. Yep, we will talk to you. Big day on Saturday for IU fans. So have fun. Send us pictures, and we'll talk to you on the postgame show. See you. See you guys. Chad, awesome job, man. Thanks for stepping up. Thanks, Chad. Yeah. We'll see you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot
2: is over 250 million. Woo. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase Player 5.
0: America's beverage companies are working together to reduce plastic waste in our environment. Not all plastic is the same. At the Coca Cola Company, Keurig Dr. Pepper, and PepsiCo, our bottles are made to be remade. We're carefully designing them to be 100% recyclable, including the caps. And we're investing in community recycling improvements. So that every
2: bottle we get back can be used to make new bottles. That completes the circle and reduces plastic waste. Please help us get every bottle back.
1: Learn more at everybottleback.org.